described as dark, mysterious, deeply spiced, and conservy, the treat behind door number nine has ingredients that symbolize the offerings gifted by the Magi to Jesus, spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves. The early rendition of this treat were oblong to represent the creche, Jesus's manger or crib, and it contained 13 ingredients to represent the 12 disciples and Jesus, like the best cuts from the leg of mutton, suet, pepper, salt, cloves, mace, cinnamon, currants, raisins, sultanas, prunes, dates, and oranges. It was rich and decadent. So it's no surprise that during the English Civil War, the Puritans banned this treat, stating that Christmas pies, that's what the pies that were made from this conservy filling were called, were an abomination. Many an essay and propaganda have been written about this holiday treat, calling it heretical, a hodgepodge of the devil and his works, an invention of the scarlet whore of Babylon, and yet it has persevered and remains a very popular holiday treat. Modern recipes have eliminated the meat to the delight of many vegetarians and non-vegetarians alike, and I had the absolute pleasure of talking with cookbook author, children's book author, and freelance writer Crescent Dragonwagon, yes, that is her real name, about her mincemeat-less recipe. As We Eat is excited to present you with the 2021 Alimentary Advent Calendar, a tasty countdown to 2022, full of mini-episodes highlighting holiday food traditions and memories from all over the world. We don't want you to miss any treats, so be sure to tune in daily from December 1st to December 26th. I left home early. I left home at 16. I began writing and cooking and gardening. I'm very good about sharing provenance on recipes because I see no reason not to be generous. And I mean, I'm very much of the thing of you always say where you got it. But truthfully, it must have been some old country lady when I was very young. I have a vague remembrance of the recipe I used being written on one of those little file cards and that sort of old-fashioned cursive writing but I cannot tell you exactly where I got it. But I was first drawn to it because it was a use for green tomatoes. And if you're a back to the land type person, as I was then, I am no longer, but as I was then, you have a lot of something you look for recipes for. And of course, when there's an early frost, you've got a lot of green tomatoes. There's a story that stuck with me in the Laura Ingalls Wilder books where Ma makes a pie out of green tomatoes and it's just delicious. So this I think was reverberating in the back of my mind. And, and somehow this recipe for a green tomato based mincemeat came to me and it was equal parts green tomatoes and diced apples and then unusual things, dried fruits of different kind and one whole orange, less its seeds, you grind the orange with the raisins. And somewhere along there, I began to learn a little bit about the history of mincemeat. But first I just tried this recipe to use up the green tomatoes. And man, it was good. I combined it with all these spices, the liquid of the green tomatoes and the apples. It has vinegar in it, it has brown sugar and it has a little molasses in it. So I cooked it up. And one of the things I noticed right away is the mincemeat recipe that I received, however, and from whoever, whoever you are, I send you hugs and kisses and thanks. I've been making it all these years. It didn't have fat 
added to it. Traditional mince meats were actually minced meat. This goes back to where the whole thing is really interesting. Of course, America was, quote, discovered, unquote, by those in search of spices. And the main reason that they went in search of cinnamon and nutmeg and ginger and all was because there was no refrigeration and meat was getting spoiled throughout Europe. And the idea was that it disguised the taste of meat that had turned slightly, and it kept it from turning more because it had vinegar in it, which is a preservative, and sugar in it, which is another preservative. And it had those spices, cinnamon and cloves and nutmeg and allspice and ginger. It's really vibrantly flavored like that. So it's this mix of fresh fruit and dried fruit and tomatoes slowly cooked together. It goes from being somewhat bright colored to being dark and evil looking. And it's just a wonderful pond-servey kind of thing. And of course, everybody knows to put it in pies and I make it pretty much every fall. Over the years, I have come up with many other uses for it because it's so good. <laughs> of course, you can do a traditional mincemeat pie and that's wonderful and excellent. So the pie is the classic thing. If you like, I'll tell you some riffs that I have done off of that. So I did a pie, I did it in a spring form pan. So that's a nice wide side. Line it with a pastry crust, pre-bake it slightly. And then your bottom layer is mincemeat. Then I make a half recipe of a pumpkin pie, poured over the mincemeat, and I bake that until it has more or less set, but it's not all the way done. Meanwhile, while that part is baking, I make a half recipe of my very wonderful brown buttered honey pecan pie. My goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you pour, you pour this thin little layer on top of the pumpkin layer. And so you bake until that part is done. And then you take it out of the oven. So you have this three-layer fandango. And honey, I want to tell you, that is a seriously good dessert. But as I say, the, the mincemeat itself is such a fascinating ingredient. And it makes a good-sized batch that I have various other things that I do with it. I would love to hear the other things that you do with mincemeat. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know those wonderful bar cookies that everybody has grown up on that usually it's sort of a butter and flour and sugar base, and then there's a jam of some sort, and then maybe on top a streusel. I am a writer and I teach writing, and I teach a, a workshop called Fearless Writing. And in the pre-COVID days, I used to teach it as a weekend intensive. I always made sure that the food we were serving was great. Saturday lunch, I would often have those cookie bars, but with the mincemeat filling instead of a jam. And because it's so dark, people look at it and they think, oh, is this chocolate filling? And it was really interesting to watch people get excited because they think it's chocolate. Take a bite for a moment be disappointed or perplexed that it's not chocolate and then go, oh, wow, what is this? What is it? It is so good. It is really, 
really very good. At the end of the weekend, I would say, I can't give you all the recipes, but pick your three favorite things and I'll send that as a little lanyap after the workshop. And that was always one that people fell in love with. I got two more up my sleeve. You still up for it? Still up for those. So trifle, mm. you know, layers of cake that are sprinkled with brandy or sherry. Brandy is a nice mix with the, with the trifle. And then layers of slightly, I don't use stale cake, but I get it a little toasted so it will absorb. A white cake toasted, layers of, of lovely mincemeat, custard, whipped cream, repeat. I had been to the farmer's market last week and I got a thing of, of uh, new crop sweet potatoes. And they were all pretty small sweet potatoes, the size of two hot dogs put together. So I made sweet potato biscuits. Split sweet potato biscuits with a layer of the nice green tomato and apple mincemeat between it, a big puff of whipped cream, and then the top of the sweet potato biscuit with a little sprinkle of powdered sugar on top. You could run this through the food processor and make it maybe not smooth, but much smoother. And you could probably use it as a really good cake filling. That's the word, hummingbird. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed listening to Crescent and all the ways that she prepares mincemeat. We'll have a link to her famous green tomato mincemeat on our website, so make sure you head over there and get the recipe. Tomorrow, Kim talks with her sister-in-law, Miranda, about an interesting holiday tradition that's very non-traditional in the sense of traditions. Tune in and see what you think. If you find yourself hungry for a larger portion of how food connects, defines, and inspires, be sure to subscribe to As We Eat wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We also publish the As We Eat journal on Substack. We would be honored if you would support us by becoming a subscriber at asweeat.substack.com. Happy holidays from Leigh and Cam. There too. <laughs> <laughs>